TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. Caring Professionals is a full-service home care company founded more than 25 years ago by Miriam Sternberg of Queens, who noticed that her parents' elderly Russian immigrant friends were not being taken care of in their language. Caring Professionals has grown to service all five boroughs, Nassau and Westchester counties, but hasn't lost its personal touch, carrying on its founders' values of menschlichkeit, responsiveness, and compassion. Caring Professionals staff is here to take care of you like family. They are a one-stop show for all your home care needs. Medicaid, short-term, CDPAP, concierge care, veterans, nursing home transition, and TBI victims. Call Caring Professionals at 1-800-706-6568. That's 1-800-706-6568. Or visit them online at caringprofessionals.com. That's caringprofessionals.com. Offices in Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, Long Island, and Westchester, and serving other New York State counties. There isn't a patient we can't help. Call 800-706-6568. And now. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. What's going on? Why are Jews choosing cremation? What does Jewish law have to say about this? What is the tradition? What is being done about it? So we have a special brought to you tonight by Caring Professionals dealing with this situation. And I know Rabbi Yochanan Zone for so many years. He's the founder and president of the National Association of Hebra Kadisha. It's called NASC, an organization that provides support and networking for Hebra Kadishas. They create programs and educational resources promoting traditional burial for all Jews, regardless of their affiliation or levels of observance. NASC also promotes awareness and preparation for end of life in accordance with halacha, Jewish law, through its Shabbos Vayichi program. Rabbi Elchanan Zon has been involved with Chesed Shel Emes for over four decades. And for the last 40 years, he has served the Jewish community with distinction. He's the Jewish community of Queens and Long Island as director of the Hever Kaddish of the Vatarabanam of Queens. And for the last 35 years, he has served as a rabbinic advisor to the Hebrew Free Burial Association of New York, which does a tremendous service. We'll talk about that as well. Mrs. Yal Davidos joins us. She's the director of the Outreach Director of Project Last Kindness for the National Association of Hebrew Kadisha. Last Kindness is an effort to help every single Jew choose burial in response to the rising rates of cremation among American Jewry. Yal is a Columbia University trained nurse practitioner and seasoned fitness instructor, but her greatest passion lies in caring for the Jewish people. Yal left the field of medicine a year ago to devote herself to carrying out the mission of last kindness. We welcome both of you to the program. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. And there's so many important issues we're going to discuss. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Rabbi Khanazan, I know you for so many years. You work behind the scenes to help people because the truth is when somebody has a loved one pass away, it's one of the most trying times in a person's life. And you and your various organizations, NASC and the Hebrew Free Burial, have done a tremendous amount of great work in dealing with these situations. But I want to begin by asking you, what is NASC? That's spelled N-A-S-C-K, by the way. What is it? What's the organization all about? The National Association of Harvard Kedisha. I must tell you, Zev, when you say that you know me so many years, I could live with that. When you said four decades, I felt very old. Well, so, listen, uh, this show is 40 years old, so <laughs> make how I feel. <laughs> okay. In, in any case, the National Association of Harvard Kedisha was created uh, for the purpose of supporting a group in every community called the Hever Kadisha, the Jewish Sacred Society. It's a very special group, and um, we were there to help support them, provide them with material, provide them with resources, to provide them with practical advice at difficult times. We have a 24-6 hotline that Hever Kadisha around the country, I must say even sometimes around the world, we reach out to for dealing with very 
specific difficult cases that they don't see frequently. We have conferences, we provide lectures. Um, and so it's a support group for Kairos Kaddish. We will be speaking, though, about many aspects of end of life tonight, and there will be a lot of information, I hope. Uh, it's a good idea to take some notes, and you could also visit us at any time at ShabbosVayachi.org. Um, and we also you may have, have to spell that, Rabbi Zon, because people know how to spell S-H-A-B-B-O-S, V as in Victor, A-Y-E-C-H-I dot org. There's a lot of information there. We also have a website called nask.org where there's a lot of information. And you will be able to see a lot of what we're going to speak about tonight at shabbosvayachi.org, as well as the live stream we did last night, which um, hopefully you will enjoy and it will be available on our website, at least for the foreseeable future. So um, that is NASC. Uh, it's it's a really important organization helping Chavis Kadisha, but really helping all Jews at the end of life navigate some of the complex issues and uh, situations they face uh, either before death, after death, and sometimes even much later. And I might add that NASC is spelled N-A-S-C-K, has a C in there. So when you go online, make sure you put in the C so you'll be able to see properly what they're all about. Now, you t- mentioned the term, Rabbi Yochanan Zon, the term Hevra Kadisha. Please define what that means for those that may not know. Hevra Kadisha is uh, literally translated as the sacred society. Uh, it's been referred to that for thousands of years, actually. Um, and the the work that they do is really taking care of every Jew that dies from the time of death, sometimes even before that. Many Chavis Kaddisha used to be involved in the time right before death, where they were there at Yitzhiyas Neshama when the person died, uh, to be able to do the prop, follow the proper traditions at that time until after burial. Many communities, the Chavis Kaddisha is the group that runs the cemetery, oversees the cemetery, um, certainly in Eretz Yisrael, the Chavar Kedisha is a full-service Chavar Kedisha. In our community, in many American communities, the Chavar Kedisha will be the group that will prepare the body for burial so that when a person dies, the Chavar Kedisha will wash and dress the body in tafrichim and shrouds in accordance with the Jewish tradition with a tremendous emphasis on respect and um, and meticulousness to take care of the uh, of the person who died. You know, in the culture in which we live, the focus when we are talking about burial arrangements is very often on the needs of the family. If you don't understand that the focus is really on the mace itself, then sometimes decisions could be very different. But our focus is on what is the need of the person who died right now, what is best for this neshama, what will bring them to their uh, peace most quickly in the best possible way uh, with a tremendous amount of respect as they deserve. Now, you mentioned that you work in the process of cleansing the body for burial, make sure they get buried in a shroud. Now, let me ask you this question. There are some large Jewish funeral homes throughout the United States. Can one assume that when they call a Jewish funeral home to arrange for a burial, that everything will be done with Jewish law, including doing the tahara, the purification, the shrouds, etc.? Can we assume that, or do we have to? Should one be vigilant to make sure that they tell the funeral home we have to have a chaver kaddisha involved as well? Thank you for raising that issue because I think many people make that mistake. When we, I speak, we are now speaking about the Hever Kadisha of the Vadhara Bunning of Queens. When we began as a Hever Kadisha in 1970-71 in Queens, New York, the number of people who actually had a Tahara, which is which means they were prepared by the Hever Kadisha, and this is in the Jewish funeral homes in Queens was less than 5%. Less than 5%? How is that possible? I don't know. It's almost hard to believe, but the wow. fact is people made the assumption. Uh, people who really don't didn't know at that time very much made the assumption that if they went to a Jewish funeral home, and specifically they asked for tradition, that it would be taken care of. The fact is it was not, because we were the only community in existence. We were created at that time. And these funeral homes at that time in our area were serving uh 
1,500 people a year, 2,000 people a year, in really large numbers, but the instance of Tahara was very, very, very low. So people need to know that when they go to a Jewish funeral home, they need to ask for Tahara, which is the washing in the traditional manner. It is Tachrichim, it is shrouds, it is a Shomer, someone who is going to watch the person until the funeral takes place and that they are not left alone. And um, as well as in many instances, we will actually offer many Chavikadishas, they do this, they will offer to have Jewish people take the body from the place of death and bring it to the funeral home and so on, so that the Chavikadisha really would be involved from the time of death until the funeral and the burial, which would then be done by the family and the, the rabbi and the community uh, at large, okay, that would attend the service. So that is something that needs to be clearly understood, that a Jewish funeral home does not by any means mean that uh, you are having things done in accordance with tradition. And even if they might say, we'll dress them in the traditional shroud, it must be done by a Hever Kadisha, which is familiar with the exact traditions. And, and just as a, a matter of simple understanding, the difference between having one person dress someone in shrouds and having uh, three or four people dress them obviously is a very different level of respect. It's also men prepare men, women prepare women. It's done in a lot of different ways, which uh, change the entire atmosphere of how this process takes place. And of course, it means dignity for the dead person, which the Heber Kadisha ensures that there is going to be the proper respect for the nifter, the person that passed away in front of them. So let me ask you this question, Rabbi Zone. The numbers are, are shocking when I hear when you approach Jewish funeral homes how few of them are actually doing the Jewish law and, and giving the dignity and respect with the, between the, the purification and the shrouds and all the other things that you mentioned. Is there any effort made to go to the Jewish funeral homes and tell them that they should offer the consumer, let them know? Because the average person that calls a Jewish funeral home may not be aware of what what, what it entails. So is there any effort? Can we persuade the Jewish funeral homes to be more respectful of Jewish well, customs and traditions? Zev, thank you for raising that. I don't want people to walk away with the impression that it's still 5%. Uh, it's much higher now thanks to the work that uh, we've been doing in Queens, as well as Hevers Kanisha around the country. It's also very important to know that there are uh, from Orthodox Jewish funeral homes in different places, mainly in Brooklyn, and uh, there are some different communities around the country uh, where everyone has a tahara. But uh, that's not the uh, norm. Um, however, however uh, we have been doing a lot of education with funeral directors, I myself have do continuing education with uh, funeral directors. Uh, but very, and most funeral directors will tell a family they have an option for Tahara, but they will very often refer to it as the orthodox way of doing it, um, the ritual way of doing it, and people who are not that observant may not see themselves as falling into the category of, although they want tradition, but they don't necessarily want orthodox tradition, okay? One of the big issues uh, that I think people have to choose is the issue of clothing. Uh, the traditional tahara is with tahrichim, with a set of shrouds, which is very meaningful, but many people just see themselves wanting clothing rather than shrouds. And I'll talk about that more um, you know, in a moment. Uh, let, let me explain that the reason why the Hever Kadisha does what they do uh, compared to what is done without a Hever Kadisha is based on a couple of very basic concepts that we live with, which are uh, fundamental, yesodos, fundamental uh, concepts and, and uh, ideas that Judaism is really built upon. Okay, Hever Kadisha is a kad Kadosh, it's holy because it recognizes that every person has a neshama, has a soul, as well as a body, and that that soul is very much part of who we are. In fact, we are we are our soul. 
the soul is who we are. The Torah tells us we believe in creation, we believe that Hashem created man, and that man was the purpose of creation. Everything was created first, and then came man. Man was the ultimate purpose of creation. And when Hashem created man, different from other live things, he blew into him a soul of life. That soul, while the body goes back to the earth it came from, the soul continues on and is eternal. The word kadosh, holy, we know Hashem, we say it in davening every day, kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. That's how the malachim, how the angels sanctify Hashem's name every day. Hashem is kadosh. Hashem is the source of kadusha, and kadusha, holiness, is by its very definition eternal, just as Hashem is eternal. So we recognize the eternity of the neshama, and we believe that when a person dies, even though the neshama leaves the body, and the body no longer has that uh, soul of life, that, that generator of life that allows us to live and to move as living human beings, nevertheless, the neshama, the soul, which is our consciousness, People don't really understand. They think a soul is something that is a spiritual matter that they really can't relate to. The soul, as it is described by Chazal, is a uh, is really the essence of who we are. When we die, all of our thoughts, all of our consciousness, all of our emotions, all of our experiences, all of our knowledge, all of our frustrations, all of who we are continues to live eternally. Famous story out. I'll make it brief. A young man is sitting with Rabbi Noach Weinberg, the founder of uh, Or Sameach. I'm sorry, of Torah, the founder of Torah, And he says uh, to him, do you believe that you have a soul? And the young man, thinking about, about this for quite a while, finally says to Rabbi Weinberg, you know, I think I do have a soul. Rabbi Weinberg says to him, no, no, sir, you, young man, you're making a terrible mistake. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. The soul is the essence of who we are, and that neshama continues to live. So when we are preparing a body, while every culture and every community wants to take care of their dead in the way that they feel is respectful, there are countries where cremation is seen as respectful. The fact is, when we who believe in a neshama, all of the traditions that we follow derive from that knowledge, from that understanding. So we believe that the neshama continues to exist and is fully aware and connected to the body itself until after burial, wanting to know, caring to know how the body is being taken care of and is very much present. So when we are in a tahara room, we actually feel that we are in the presence of the person themselves, their consciousness, which is there. And so we don't talk. We do things in a very, very discreet and, and quiet and respectful, meaningful way. Um, another of the very important basic fundamental concepts is the idea that we go on to a world where first we face the Ramona Shlom, our final Yom Kippur, if you will. And so how do we dress for that occasion? How do we appear before God? Now, people don't want to use uh, shrouds. They want to use clothing. Question is, what are you dressing for? What's the occasion? If the casket is closed, why are we being dressed in clothing? It's because people don't think. It's what they see on TV. It's what our culture does. And so it follows that we do the same. But the fact is that we believe you stand before God and you appear how you are in that aura. Okay? And no more meaningful, appropriate set of clothes than the shrouds, which are a full set of clothes, a hat, a shirt, pants, a jacket, a belt, and uh, a talus for a man, or whatever else it might be. This is how the Kohen Godel, forget the talus, but everything the else, priest, right. how the Kohen Godel, the high priest, stood before God on Yom Kippur, and the holiest of holies, and the Kodesh HaKodesh, and praying for himself, his family, and the Jewish people. So what better way to be dressed before God than in white linen clothing, which represents purity and forgiveness and atonement, and all the things that it, it means. So deriving from these fundamental concepts is where all the traditions of the Hever Kedisha come from. There's no more meaningful tradition and Rav Yaakov Kamenevsky once explained to me that the terminology of chesed shel emes doesn't only mean kindness of truth because 
uh, we don't get uh, we don't get anything back. There's no reciprocation from this person to us. Normally, we lend someone something. Tomorrow, they'll lend us something. But here, this person is no longer going to have that opportunity to repay you directly. And so, it's called a specially high level of chesed of kindness. It's true kindness. He explained that that is chesed that is defined by Torah's emes. It's defined by our beliefs of truth. The truths of Judaism, the truths of our faith are objective. They don't change from culture to culture. They're based on our beliefs, our fundamental beliefs. And this chesed, burying people, how we bury them, how we take care of them, how we uh, treat them, derives from these basic concepts of a neshama, of an afterlife, of uh, reward and punishment, of trias hamesim, of resurrection. Our belief is we bury a person and they will come back. If they are deserving, they will come back. And that is part of what burial uh, represents. And that is why the Chavakadisha is different. But you must ask, when you go to a Jewish funeral home, know that the tradition needs to be asked for. Speaking is Rabbi Yochanan Zone, the founder and president of the National Association of Hebra Kadisha, an organization that provides support and networking for Hebra Kadishas. He's been involved for over 40 years in this holy work. He had also served as a rabbinic advisor for the Hebrew Free Burial Association of New York. Mrs. Yal Davidis, who's director of outreach and director of Project Last Kindness for the National Association of Hebra Kadisha. Even though she is a Columbia University trained nurse practitioner and seasonal fitness and structure, but she gave it all up to devote herself full time to carrying on the mission of last kindness. So let me just turn to you, uh, uh, Mrs. Yal Davidis. We appreciate you being part of our broadcast. I was just curious, you gave up being a nurse practitioner, a seasoned fitness instructor. Was that a hard decision for you to devote yourself to the holy work of of NASC and also to last kindness? Um, thanks for the question. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. So it was definitely a question. Um, I, I'll tell you just a bit about how I got involved in this. Um, I live in a small town, um, South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. And like many small towns, Hover Kadishas are just volunteers. They're made up of doctors and accountants and stay-at-home moms and doctors and nurses. And they get a call that someone passed away and we go out and we take care and prepare that body of a fellow brother or sister. Women take care of women, men take care of men for burial. And maybe about four years ago or so, there was an SOS that Rabbi Zon was putting out to Chavar Kedisha saying, the cremation rates amongst Jews are climbing. Chavar Kedisha, you guys are involved in Chesed Shalamas, caring for the deceased. Please do something. And so the president of the Chavar Kedisha that I'm a volunteer and continue to be a volunteer reached out to me because I had done some other type of outreach work very different than this and said, do you think you can get involved with the cremation problem? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> What's the cremation problem? I, like many of the listeners, was shocked to learn the growing rates and how many Jews were being cremated. So I said, let me take a look at, into it. And I started reading and learning and talking to people and talking to everybody's own. And I was quite moved about the tragedy itself for even one individual and the scope of the tragedy. And so I just started doing a lot of local grassroots work as a volunteer outside of, of my regular work day. Um, it was growing and growing. And it got to the point where I basically turned to Arizona and I said, even if I'm effective, I'm in little, one little pinpoint of the map of this great country. Um, so let's join forces. Um, so it was a big decision, but what really drew me to it was the vacuum that there was so much to be done um, and it really wasn't being done in any kind of full force organized way. And so it was a big decision um, to leave the field, um, but I see it as a tremendous opportunity that I am grateful to be a part of. Amazing work. You know, one point, Rabbi Zone, and, and we haven't really discussed, and you raise a very important thing, Yael, is the fact that the volunteer people 
have the Hever Kaddishas around the, around the world. It's really a volunteer organization. You have men and women that devote themselves to be involved in the Tahara, the purification, whatever has to be done for the respect of the of the dead people. It's an amazing thing that people volunteer, um, and it's not an easy thing to do, but yet they do it. So I want to focus on that just for a few moments. I just find I'm blown away by that. I think it's just such an important mitzvah. And as you said, Rabbi Zon, it's a Chesed Shalemis, which means it's a, a real kindness of truth because nobody does this with any intention of any reward. Uh, let me respond just for a moment. I, I think it would be important to note that it is true. In many shuls and smaller communities, it is voluntary. There are many Chavis Kaddisha that do get paid, usually a very minimal amount, and it is uh, doesn't really pay for the time they do, but the amount of dedication, the Mesir Nefesh, the overwhelming uh, uh, amount of, you know, d- just loyalty to this mitzvah is huge. Uh, Arab Shabbos, Mozart Shabbos, people who are in very difficult situations, uh, dealing with younger people at, at any time of day and any time of the year. So it is a tremendous involvement. But yes, there are volunteers throughout the country and throughout the world. And in many places, it is still a volunteer organization completely. Um, and certainly there are people who volunteer for other aspects of it, whether it's the Shiva house preparing it or, or making meals for people who are sitting Shiva, whatever it might be. So yes, it is something that has always been a very, very integral part of the chesed of Klal uh, Yisrael, of the Jewish people. We live by, we follow Hashem's way and Hashem showed us the burial of Moshe Rabbeinu. And so we follow in his footsteps and we provide this unique chesed. No, it certainly is, and it's something which they don't get a lot of, listen, a lot of recognition for it, and they're the unsung heroes because it's day in, day out, it's at all hours where they have to deal with it because people unfortunately pass away in all kinds of situations. It's not easy work, and yet they do it. Um, how does, how do, do you recruit volunteers? Do people do it on their own? How, what's the process like? I'm curious because nobody really talks about it. We do that. In fact, it's one of the Shabbos Vayechi aspects is strengthening Hever Ganesha. I know a rabbi told me uh, right before Shabbos that uh, his congregation, someone in the Hever Ganesha is going to be attending every minion and recruit people to join the Hever Ganesha because there has been a drop in the Hever Ganesha recruitment, especially since COVID. I was going to say, uh, wow, yeah, that's that, true. That is one aspect of Shabbos Vayechi where we focus on the things that people don't generally talk about, which is the Shabbos that we focus on taking care of the important topics, the important issues in our life that deal with end of life. And because they are uncomfortable and because they're about end of life, we tend to shirk it. We tend to avoid it. We tend to deny the need. We know it's there, but we just don't do it. So whether it's, uh, you know, issues of, of being prepared for a medical emergency or for God forbid a tragedy, we don't do it. And the same is true with Hever Kedisha volunteers. It needs to be strengthened. And right now the country is really in a state where volunteers for Hever uh, needs strengthening. But Baruch Hashem, I think that uh, the community will respond. And uh, Hever Kedisha certainly have been a growing group throughout the last uh, 40, 50 years. But you mentioned COVID. That certainly changed things. Has things picked up now? Because with COVID, it changes day by day what the situation is. So I'm sure that affects volunteers. So how are you coping with that? I think it has pretty much gotten back close to normal. Close to normal? Uh, close to normal, I would say so. Um, it was a time where it was a real struggle. I think we have gotten back to close to normal. But I really, unfortunately, COVID has also impacted the cremation issue. And I really would like to get back to the cremation issue. Uh, so uh, COVID has impacted it because at the time of COVID, funerals were basically at uh, cemeteries. And very often, even at cemeteries, there was no one there. It was just by Zoom and so on and so forth. So the need for a formal funeral and a formal funeral home and even a burial site became less and less. And those people that may have been on the fence uh, about this might have chosen uh, cremation over burial because of that itself, especially since um, you know it was just more reasonable. Whatever the reasons are, we can talk about that. So let me, let me turn to Yael because I know she touched on it. You're touching upon it. The numbers, the statistics are shocking. 
that today an estimated 50% of American Jews are cremated when they pass away, which means and translates to another Jew being cremated every 60 minutes. I know COVID had a role in it, but Yael, why are the statistics so outstanding? Why are so many Jews deciding they want to use cremation as opposed to a traditional Jewish burial? What's going on? Yeah, but before I answer that, Zev, can I just take a moment and just give a little plug for Hebrew Kedushas throughout the country? Absolutely, because I, the, the unsung here is because people don't realize it's all volunteer work. And it's not even when you volunteer to go to a hospital, it's one thing. When you're dealing with dead bodies and you're dealing with next to kin and all kinds of emotional issues, it's not easy. And not easy at all. So I really commend all those who are part of the Hebrew Kedusha, the Holy Society, that do such, they're doing God's work, really. Yeah, so I want to put a plug in there for people who are listening and maybe living in communities that could use help on the Chaver Kedisha. Chaver Kedisha tends to be quiet work. We're, we're under the radar, and there's um, some unintended consequences of that, which is sometimes there aren't enough people because people just don't know it exists or it's a need. Especially in small um, towns, it, right? Um, yeah, it's, it, it depends where. But um, I would say that it's really a tremendous opportunity for the person who's doing the giving. You know, where are a people who, if you look at, you know, you open up the Gemara, you open up Davening, who are focused, should be focused on the idea that this world is just the first stage. But, you know, we have regular life we gotta live. We gotta get dinner on the table, we gotta get to work, we've gotta take care of our families. And when you go to a Tahara and you perform this chesed, you are faced with the reality that we all know that exists, but somehow just gets moved to the back, to the get back burner. And it's a reminder about what's important in life. Every single person who gets a kosher tahara receives the same exact shrouds. It doesn't matter if they were the, the bank president or, or, or the one on the receiving end of the charity check. There are no pockets in the shrouds. It's a reminder about what is important in life. It's our decisions, it's our actions, it's how we connected to God and the Torah, how we gave to others. And, you know, that the reason that we do Tahara and we are involved in Chesed Shalmas is for the person who passed away. It's to give to them. But it's a tremendous opportunity for the people who are on the giving end as well. So if there are any listeners who, when they hear this message, it touches something inside of them, I would say, reach out. See if your community can, can use help um, in any way. And whether it's you're an actual volunteer or you support them financially, um, it, it's a tremendous opportunity for every one of us, not just to give, but actually to receive. To no, it's a, a tremendous, tremendous mitzvah, and I urge people that if you want to volunteer, this is something that's so important, it's crucial. And as you correctly pointed out, that at the moment of death, that's whether you're the wealthiest man or the poorest individual, you're all equal before God, and the shroud represents it. There are no pockets. You can't take it with you. I think yeah. I'd like to throw something in about the fact that Torah chooses to teach us the laws of burial and providing respect to someone by a criminal who was put to death by the court. The court couldn't find any reason to, uh, you know... Exonerate, explain, right. Exonerate, right, exonerate them. And still, they are the ones that the Torah says, leaving them in a state of disrespect is a desecration of God's name because every person reflects the uh, image of God and is holy by their very nature, no matter how they live their life. Okay, and this is something that's extremely important. And I think it's very important for people who cremate. Sometimes people feel and they say, well, me, why? Uh, I'm not orthodox. I don't observe. Uh, you know, why do I deserve to be? Why do I need to be buried? It's only, you know, religious people who need that. I um, you know, it's uh, we don't have to. Uh, what do you worry about respect? I don't get respect in our religion. The fact is, every human being is a Tzalem is created in the image of God. Uh, people feel, well, if I have tattoos, I can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery, and therefore I might as well be cremated. That too is a misnomer. Everyone gets buried in the Jewish cemetery. Even the murderer gets buried in the Jewish cemetery. People who are uh, who move out of the faith. Every person gets buried. That is because they are a Tzalem Elohim. They are created in the image of God. And therefore, every one of us deserves that level of kavod. And yeah, being involved in the Chavar Kedisha provides for us a, a clear insight into 
the role of life and the purpose of life and the importance of life, as well as the fact that life isn't forever. Now, I don't know if it's different in the United States or in Israel. I know that even people who are lead completely secular lives, not really connected to the Jewish religion, when it comes to death, they usually adhere to the traditional burial. So that's what I found is pretty shocking when you mentioned the 50% cremation number because I was always under the impression that when it came to death, people tend to be more traditional to give a certain benefit to the dead body, to the dead soul, to the dead parent, whoever it might be. So when I heard that number, I said, what's going on? We're seeing a change in what used to be the practice where when it came to matters of death, that people were more traditional. You know, Zev, if you take a look at the statistics of just the general American population, most Americans today are choosing cremation. And so when you take a wide-angle view at the Jewish people, the American Jewish people, I mean, it's, we don't have as good numbers, but it certainly seems this way in Europe as well. The average American Jew is really pretty indistinguishable from their non-Jewish American counterpart. And so when you ask the question, why are so many Jews choosing cremation? It's just because that's what everyone around them seems to be doing. And people, unless they feel strongly otherwise, generally just follow the pack. So why are most Jews in America choosing cremation? It's because most non-Jews in America are choosing cremation. And another contributing factor that I think is that people just feel like it doesn't really matter. You know, again, if they don't have this understanding like Rabbi Zone spoke about so beautifully about the soul and why the body matters even after death, it doesn't seem to be very useful. And so who cares? Let's just do what's easy and convenient. We all expect things today to be easy and convenient. I can get my groceries delivered. I can order an Uber anywhere. And so if there's no, if they don't, if people don't appreciate the value in burial and the value in how the Jewish treatment of the deceased, then the default is to just go with what everyone around me is doing and what is cheaper and more convenient. And I mentioned to Rabbi Zonyal um, before the broadcast that just happened in my building literally a couple of weeks ago where there's a Holocaust survivor who lives in the building. She has a daughter, 40 years old, uh, who was on drugs and died of an overdose. So she contacted myself, my wife, and her first reaction was, we're going to cremate the body. So I said to her, Jewish tradition doesn't allow for it. Uh, I mean, she doesn't have, she's destitute, she doesn't have any money. So I said, let me see what, what he can do. I called Masaskim. I, I, they, they got in touch with Hebrew Free Burial. So the first thing we did, we stopped the autopsy because there's no reason for an autopsy. We know what the reason of death was. And uh, she agreed to be buried, to have her daughter buried in a Jewish cemetery. And I have to tell you, the acts of kindness, because obviously she's destitute. So not only did they arrange to have her daughter buried in a, with a Jewish funeral, and they arranged for a rabbi, they arranged for a minion, and the rabbi was outstanding, very consoling, gave comfort to the, to the mother of the deceased. But they also arranged that the mother herself, after 120 years, she's a Holocaust survivor, will have a burial plot next to her daughter. This is a real chesed shel emes. So this is something which I would assume that some people doing cremation, because you gal point out is cheaper, but there's an alternative, and I know NASC is very helpful. If it's a question of money, uh, that could be worked out so you can have a proper Jewish burial with, with, with dignity and also in accordance with Jewish law, which is so important, especially the end of life. I think a lot of people, sometimes money may be the issue, like with the case that you just referenced, where someone was actually destitute and couldn't afford it. But I think very often, most people probably could afford it. They just don't see the value in it. So for instance, if I need ketchup and I walk into the store and I'm not very particular and there's ketchup, you know, the store brand for $2, or I could get the organic brand for $6, I'm going to go for the cheaper version. People spend money when they appreciate the value in what they're getting for that dollar amount. So there's an opportunity and what's needed is really people to appreciate the value of burial. And of course, for instances where money is actually the issue, and the Jewish community takes care of its own, and money should never be a true barrier to prevent any Jew from receiving proper, respectful Jewish burial. 
Zev, I, I want to point out that in every large community, there are ways of dealing with people who are indigent. You mentioned Hebrew Free Barrel in New York. There are other organizations in New York. Uh, NASC opened a cemetery in Florida three years ago called the South Florida Jewish Cemetery, which in three years, there are 500 people who have uh, reserved graves or have been buried there. There are 200 destitute people, real Mason Mitzvah, who are buried there. And the goal of the cemetery is to s- provide graves at an extremely reasonable cost so that people who really would consider burial but are choosing cremation because of course have the opportunity to be buried in a beautiful cemetery with a beautiful service at a very very reasonable price and that is true everywhere what i find fascinating about your story is first of all that you got involved and took the uh the uh the opportunity to do this great mitzvah but on the other hand someone in your building who is an elderly person who is destitute, someone in that building, you or someone else, could have easily reached out to them in advance and opened a conversation with them uh, about this uh, this issue. God forbid if something happens, are you prepared? Is there anything I can do to help you so that if God forbid something happens? Here's a Holocaust survivor who's choosing to cremate her own daughter, okay? It's almost hard to imagine, but these are the facts, and this is really part of what NASC is all about, is the education of the entire community, nationally and everywhere, about the reasons, as Yal put it, why we should bury respect. It doesn't have to be because the Torah says so, although that's the main reason, but it's because of respect for ourselves, respect for humanity. We bury treasure. We burn to say trash, but we burn that which is disposable, that which we want to get rid of. And throughout our history, we have been destroyed in fire, whether it's the Inquisition or going back to Avram, who was thrown into a furnace by Nimrod. Okay, it's always been, so why would we want to do that if we understood the importance? I just want to point out there was a prime minister in Britain uh, by the name of William Gladstone who said, show me the manner in which a nation cares for its dead, and I will measure with mathematical exactness the tender mercies of its people, their respect for the laws of the land and their loyalty to high ideals. How we bury people, how we take care of people is a reflection of who we are and how we see ourselves and how we see others in every way. So the reason to reach out to people and the way to explain it to them does not have to be based in religion. It can be based in so many other things, whether it's closure for family, it's just respect, it's continuity, being buried in a a cemetery with forebears, with parents and grandparents, the concept in Judaism of misora, of a direct continuity, which is unbelievably powerful in understanding and appreciating our religion and ourselves. All of these things, and I'll just end, if there are any rabbis listening or people who are in a position of of dealing with people who are um, in a position where they may be choosing cremation, this new project we have, and I'll let y'all take over on that, is called Last Kindness, where we are suggesting that people reach out to those who might be considering cremation to open a conversation. It may take some time, but to open the conversation and explain to them why tradition, why Jewish people really should be buried. And if you're a rabbi or a person who does funerals or deals with people at end of life, don't waste the opportunity. You're at a funeral and you're speaking and you have an audience of people who are not orthodox, who are not observant, maybe even intermarried. It doesn't matter. Talk about burial and how beautiful this tradition is and the meaning of it. Don't waste a good opportunity. Don't waste a good burial. The same if you're at a shiva house in a similar situation. So Last Kindness uh, is really a new project that we're launching, and it's extremely important for the public to be aware of it. Speaking as Rabbi Ochanan Zone, the founder and president of the National Association of Hebrew Kedusha, an organization that provides support and networking for Hebrew Kedushas, that's holy societies that deal on a volunteer basis dealing with Tahara purification, making sure that the Jewish person is buried in accordance with Jewish law. He's been involved with Chesed Shalemis, which is kindness of truth for over 40 years, and he also serves as a rabbinic advisor to the Hebrew Free Burial Association. Yael Davidowitz, the director of Outreach Direct of Project Last Kindness. She herself was a nurse practitioner, a seasoned fitness instructor who gave it up to devote herself to the mission of last kindness. So, yeah, let me turn to you 
And by the way, we're brought to you tonight by Caring Professionals. Thank you, Caring Professionals. You're a caring professional, yo. And Robert, <laughs> don't mention that, you know, people should talk about cremation. But let's be honest. The conversation usually happens at the time of death. All of a sudden, you get a phone call. I get a phone call. You get a phone call. People get a call. This family is thinking of cremation. At that point in time, how do you have a conversation? It's difficult. They're in grief. And they might be the most receptive to having a conversation of avoiding cremation. So how do you deal with it? Because that's the moment of time that in most cases that the issue of cremation comes up. Well, every conversation always has to be, whether it's early on or later on, has to be couched in just respect and sensitivity and making it clear that you're coming from a place of caring. I think the goal, though, of, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I know the goal of Last Kindness, though, is to really push and urge people to proactively think about those in their life at risk for cremation and reach out to them. Jerry Zone mentioned just a moment ago, sometimes it's one conversation, but often it can be a string of conversations over a very long period of time. If I would encourage the listeners to go onto the website endcremation.org. That's end, E-N-D, cremation.org. That is a website um, that was written for the observant community and is there to encourage and guide people on how do you bring this up? There's an 18-page guide that you can read through, print, and download and print that gives you a general process. Um, you yourself should really understand why this is even important, kind of get clarity for yourself. And it will guide people through how do you have this conversation? You have to understand why they would even choose cremation. Maybe they're under the false notion that somehow it's better for the environment. I've had those conversations with people. There's a billion dollar business driving the cremation industry and they've marketed it as this romantic ecological progressive choice people haven't really dug very deep into the decision so if that's what's driving them you can respond to that maybe they have no children no family and so they think why would what's the point of being buried if nobody's going to come visit me maybe they feel guilty about not visiting their own parents graves and they think that they don't want to continue that burden and put it on their own children. So I can't really give you like a, here's the two sentence magic bullet to change someone's mind. I would just say sensitivity, respect, you know, uh, check your judgment at the door and go to our website, download the conversation guide. I think you'll find it helpful. You can also reach out to us for one-on-one -on -one coaching, we're looking for opportunities to bring workshops either online or potentially in person to communities throughout the country. And we're really looking to shift the culture where people talk about that. You know, people plan for retirement. They talk about their vacation plans. There's 7.9 billion people in this world and everybody has their own life story and their own life narrative. But there are two experiences that are every single one of those 7.9 billion people has in common. The first one is that we were all born. And the second one is that we're all gonna die one day and we're all gonna lose someone close to us. It's not, it's just the reality of living. So let's talk about it. Well, people are hesitant to talk about culture. it. But you raise an interesting point, Yael, is that there is a romantic notion of cremation and maybe there's some media that promotes it. So I would assume that this probably unites all religious groups, whether it's Jewish or Christian or Muslim, where they would oppose cremation. I'm surprised there's no concerted effort to try to bring home a message that don't cremate, get buried in your tradition. Let me just, I'm going to jump in. I, I think it's important to understand that where, as you said before, uh, Zev, uh, it used to be that Jews just didn't cremate. It was always a small fringe group, but it was very small, probably under 10%. Okay, and, it, and we date ourselves by saying that because that's what used to be. The fact is that, unfortunately, uh, much of Jewish, uh, even organized religion has capitulated. 
over the last uh, 30 or 40 years where they accepted it because it was people's wishes and that's what they wanted. They couldn't stand up to them. And so at this point, it's very difficult to even, um, you know, sometimes I, I get, I have a long conversation with someone and then they say, well, my rabbi said that if that's what I, that's what she wanted or he wanted, and they're now in a state of dementia, they can no longer change that. It's okay. So, uh, Unfortunately, that isn't the case all the time. Uh, we are looking to change the culture. There are so many good reasons to have burial rather than cremation. We need to educate our people. We need to show them the meaning, the beauty, the depth of our tradition, of our beliefs, uh, which most Jews don't know, so that they can make these choices, give them the different perspective that will help them choose uh, and make the right choice. At this point, and we'll do it again at the end of the broadcast, I'd like to give information on how do people get in touch with NASC to learn more. Let's give out the info where people can participate. There are a few different ways to reach us. So um, this past weekend was a really big one for us called Shabbos Bayechi. There's a lot of information there, so I would encourage you to go to Shabbos, S-H-A-B-B-O-S, Bayechi, V-A-Y-C-H-E-I dot org. No, it's, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, did I misspell that? V-A-Y-E-C-H-I. Thank you. Um, and then in, you can go to lastkindness.org, which is a site for the general Jewish community, the broad Jewish community, or for those within the more traditional community, you can go to ENDS Cremation, E-N-D Cremation dot org. So lots of different ways to reach us through the web. No, absolutely. It's important people to get involved and learn more, whether you're observant or not. It's a dignity to the to the soul of the person that departed. And unfortunately, we're seeing more cremation issues that are taking place. I mean, I had a situation where somebody asked me to help out or officiate at a funeral, and it was uh, somebody that I know, a friend of mine whose mother was a Holocaust survivor, and he insisted on having her cremated. I tried talking him out of it and explaining Jewish tradition, and unfortunately I wasn't successful in that case because people, as you said, as a romantic notion of cremation, they think that is something which, you know, is good for the environment and it's good overall and, you know, even has economic benefits from it. So you have your work cut out for you. Um, are you mostly successful when you talk to people about cremation? I'm just curious to know what the track record is. I think if we talk about it before, we have a good chance. Uh, I often tell people who are Bali Chuva. People return no to Judaism, yes. People return to Judaism. If for no other reason, maintain a close, warm relationship, respectful relationship with the family that isn't observant, just so that you might be able to impact them in their decision for burial as opposed to cremation. Uh, if it's done in advance and it's explained and you have time to talk about it clearly and uh, respectfully, I find there is a very, very good chance, uh, particularly for family, but even uh, anyone. Um, uh, once it's at the time of death, if it's a money issue, yes, it can be changed. If it's an ideological issue, if it becomes a cultural issue, a progressive issue, it becomes much more difficult. And especially when there are people who are just uncomfortable uh, not to follow the wishes of their loved one, even though the halacha says that we don't follow their wishes under those circumstances because they are hurting themselves and their eternity. And we don't follow people's wishes when they ask to hurt themselves. Uh, although our culture is now shifting in that way as well. We have assisted suicide as being something that is acceptable. So, uh, but that's not our belief. And when someone chooses to hurt themselves, and our belief is that when someone chooses cremation, they are hurting their neshama eternally. The passage in Ecclesiastes and Kohelis says the dust returns to the earth as it was and the soul returns, the spirit returns to God who gave it. And it's a two-step process. The body returns to where it came from, to its material essence, and then the neshama, the spirit, is able to move on freely to where it is meant to go, uh, close to Hashem. So uh, we need to explain that and understand that, but the time is well before a person is ill. Uh, the time is when they are well to open a conversation, 
and make the case. And I find that if you do that, you can be very successful if it's done with respect, if it's done with thought, with, um, you know, a, as Yal said, collapse your judgment, listen to where they're coming from, and then give them an alternative perspective. We're almost out of time. Just a quick question. For the average Orthodox family, is the cremation issue relevant to them? I would say, other than reaching out to their family, generally not, but I have found in the last couple of years that it has been creeping in into the very traditional family, people who may light candles on Shabbos, Shabbat, people who may have a kosher home, okay, and may attend shul and Rosh Hashanah Kippur are choosing cremation. Uh, that's something that we didn't see five or ten years ago, and it is slowly creeping into that group of people as well. I would put in one more thought there that even if it's not directly affecting those who like you would be on the family tree hanging in our living room, we're one people. So even if I'm a religious woman living in South Jersey, you know, what happens to someone who's totally secular intermarried, but you living in San Francisco matters. We're all God's children. And at a very deep level, we're connected at a soul level. God forbid if someone gets a, a deep cut and an infection in their right foot. We don't say, oh, it's just the right foot. The rest of their body is okay. No, we're all one unit. What happens to one member of the Jewish people matters to all of us. Reaching out to someone in your life at risk for cremation, whether it's a family member, someone, a, a childhood friend, someone who lives on your block, someone who you visit in a nursing home, you have the opportunity to affect their future. You have, you have the opportunity by opening the conversation to perform Chesed Shal Emes, you have the opportunity to take care of one of Hashem's children. You know, we're, we're out of time. the opportunity. I can't believe we're out of time, how fast the hour has flown, Yael and Rabbi Zone. We didn't even touch upon halachic living wills, which deals with living and with how people can instruct their children, maybe for 30 seconds, Rabbi Zone, just give people an overview of that. Okay, just as we believe that the purpose of life is to uh, build your eternity, Every moment of life is valuable. And decision here, again, the culture has shifted. Uh, we believe if life is not the quality that we like, we can't go to the golf course or watch our favorite movie, whatever it might be, we might as well end it. Moment of life is valuable under whatever circumstance it is. There are times where certain medical decisions might be made, but we need to put things in place so that if we are in a medical emergency, that there will be someone who speaks for us and that there will be someone who will uh, guide us. There must be a posek. Rabbi, Rabbi Dr. Abraham, in his famous work, Nishman Avram, ends, he says, in conclusion, I cannot emphasize strongly enough that these medical decisions are life and death decisions that can be made only by a posek, a rabbi knowledgeable in these laws who must be made fully aware of the medical facts as decided by a full team of medical experts. Creating a halachic living will means that you have someone in place, you have a rabbi that will guide you. It also puts in place the person who will take care of you at the end of one's life and will make sure that it's done in a way that follows tradition and that uh, lives by, you know, that fulfills all of the basic concepts of Yiddishkeit, of Jewish living. Listen, I want to salute both of you for the important work that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not glamorous. It's not easy. It's difficult. You're dealing with people in the, in the hardest part of their life, and yet you do it. You do a real, a real mitzvah. So Rabbi Elchanan Zone, founder and president of the National Association of Hever Kadisha, and Mrs. Yaldavidu, who's the director of outreach and director of project Last Kindness for the National Association of Hever Kadisha. I want to thank you for joining us, and I urge people to learn more, to find out why it's so important to have a Jewish burial, not to do cremation. So people, let's give out the information for people to contact NASC to learn more about the wholly important work that you're doing. It's NASC, N-A-S-C-K dot org. The S is not necessary, but it's there anyway. Uh, we have a website. We have a phone number, which is 718-847-6280. Uh, we have lots of information. You can always contact us by email or by phone um, in any which way and ask us the questions that are on your mind, and we will be there to help you. Uh, you can also go to lastkindness.org or endcremation.org, which is really focused for the traditional Jewish community, and reach out to us through there as well. 
Thank you, and thank you, Caring Professionals, for bringing this very important message to our audience tonight. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, HawklineNetwork.com, or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms, or JewishPodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the TalkLineNetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Caring Professionals is a full-service home care company founded more than 25 years ago by Miriam Sternberg of Queens, who noticed that her parents' elderly Russian immigrant friends were not being taken care of in their language. Caring Professionals has grown to service all five boroughs, Nassau and Westchester counties, but hasn't lost its personal touch, carrying on its founders' values of menschlichkeit, responsiveness, and compassion. Caring Professionals staff is here to take care of you like family. They are a one-stop show for all your home care needs. Medicaid, short-term, CDPAP, concierge care, veterans, nursing home transition, and TBI victims. Call Caring Professionals at 1-800-706-6568. That's 1-800-706-6568. Or visit them online at caringprofessionals.com. That's caringprofessionals.com. Offices in Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, Long Island, and Westchester, and serving other New York State counties. There isn't a patient we can't help. Call 800-706-6568.